Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. When will the Christians be raptured? Some say before the Great Tribulation, and others say after the Great Tribulation. But the Bible actually reveals more than one rapture in the book of Revelation. Rapture is our topic today on this Life Study of the Bible, and here with us to talk about this topic that has much interest uh, by many, if not nearly all believers, is Ron Kangas. Welcome back to the program, Ron. It's good to be back, and it's good to consider this topic about which there is so much feeling in the Christian community and strongly held views and strongly argued positions. And we would like to present something obviously based on the word that has a little in common with all the positions and a lot that's not in common with them because most of the common teaching we believe is not that accurate in the details. So it's worthy and necessary to reconsider rapture in light of the divine revelation. Well, this is somewhat a two-part program. As Witness Lee gave this uh, message in 1976, it became two finished messages, and we had a wonderful, I would say, beginning to this topic. And all throughout Revelation, of course, it's come up many times. This is really somewhat our capstone, I would say, our definitive final word on uh, the matter of rapture in Revelation, and it has a lot of interest. To help us get into it today, I'd like to start by looking at two promises that the Lord gave the believers as an incentive to escape the great tribulation in that day. First from Luke chapter 21, verse 36 says, But be watchful at every time beseeching that you may prevail to escape all these things which are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I would say a similar promise comes in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. We saw it early on in our life study of Revelation. This verse says, Because you have kept the word of my endurance, I also will keep you out of the hour of trial which is about to come on the whole inhabited earth to try them who dwell on the earth. No question, Ron, these verses clearly point to a promise that there could be an escape for the believers from having to endure the terrible time of tribulation that's about to come. Yet there are other verses. We've seen some before. We'll see more today that clearly show us Christians going through this period of time. So it seems like as we consider this matter of rapture from the Bible, there can only be two conclusions. One, either the Bible is not reliable and inconsistent, or there has to be more than one rapture. Well, you can phrase the matter that way. I mean, that surely is stark and striking and provocative. And, of course, the Bible cannot be an error. Only our understanding can be an error. The common notion that all the believers will be raptured before the tribulation renders 
unnecessary, I believe, the Lord's word to be watchful. Watchful for what? If everyone will be taken, no matter what their spiritual condition is, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're involved in, what is the need to be watchful? There has to be some kind of condition related to being watchful. And not only to be watchful, but beseeching, praying, asking, imploring. This has something to do with prevailing to escape. That's the negative side. And to stand before the Son of Man, that's the positive side. To be raptured to the throne of God and to be presented before the Son of Man as one of the mature believers. Revelation 3.10 Another condition, because you have kept the word of my endurance, I will also keep you out of the hour of trial. This doesn't say you're a believer, therefore I will keep you out of the hour of trial. It says because you have kept the word of my endurance. This indicates, doesn't it, that if we fail to keep the word of his endurance, then the Lord will not keep us out of the hour of trial. We need to wake up. And we need to cast off, I would say, stupefying teachings concerning rapture and face the responsibility that we have as believers to meet the conditions and qualifications for the raptures. There is more than one rapture. The two main categories are the rapture of the overcomers, of the mature believers, and of the man-child, the overcoming believers who have died, that is before the tribulation. The rapture of the majority of the believers is toward the very end of the tribulation. This is just the way it is. So those who argue ahead of the tribulation, they have some ground. Those who say it's after the tribulation, they have some ground. Those who say it's in the middle of the tribulation, If they understand the tribulation to be seven years, and that amounts to those who teach that the rapture of the overcomers will be before the tribulation, which is not seven years, it's three and a half years. We need to not only study the word accurately, we need to study the word soberly. This is not a playful thing to be talked about glibly. This is actually a somber matter. Matthew speaks of one taken and the other left. Those are believers. Will we be taken or will we be left? What right do we have to assume and take for granted that we're in the category of those who were taken? We may not be. We may not be ready. We may not be watchful. So we need to wake up. We're not coming to prophecy merely, not even mainly, to satisfy our curiosity to know the details. The word of prophecy is a light shining in a murky place that we can be enlightened to know how to live and how to be as we await the Lord's coming. So we need to be enlightened, we need to be sobered, we need to be awakened, and we need to be exercised to fulfill all the conditions that the Lord Jesus himself imposes on us to be raptured as the first fruits, as the overcomers before the tribulation. Otherwise, we'll have to learn later during the tribulation that the Lord means business, and then await rapture, about three and a half years later. Well, Ron, we began by reading a couple of verses that clearly point to the promise to those who have overcome to be kept from that hour. Let's look in First Thessalonians now as we get ready to join Witness Lee. 
In chapter 4, verses 15, 16, and 17, this matter is touched, and here it says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are living and who are left remaining unto the coming of the Lord shall by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. Because the Lord himself with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are living who are left remaining, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will be always with the Lord. This word points to another aspect of the rapture that we're talking about. Let's join Witness Lee with our first portion today. Now we come to the rapture of the majority of the believers. The believers who are alive and remain. This little phrase, and remain, means a lot. This implies that some alive ones are no more remaining on this earth. Otherwise, the apostle wouldn't need to say and remain. He would just have said who are alive. You see, this indicates the living saints by this time will be of two categories. One, who are alive, not remain on the earth. The other category is the ones who are alive, yet still remain on this earth. Who are alive and remain. Now this is according to Greek. King James renders quite uh, rightly. Who are alive and remain. This, I say, indicates some who are alive, not remain any longer. Then where are they? They are raptured. They are raptured. They are alive, but they do not remain on this earth. Yet, so many living saints by this time will be still alive and still remain on the earth, who are alive and remain. So, remember well that in the first Thessalonians, the living saints are not all the living saints, only those who are alive and remain. We know by other portions of the word, some of the living saints by that time will not remain on this earth because they would have been already taken up to the throne of God in the third heavens. Well, Ron, this phrase, alive and remain, implies definitely there are some believers who are alive and who will not remain until the end, but who are taken up or raptured to the third heavens beforehand. There's a definite sequence to these verses we read in 1 Thessalonians 4. I'd like to ask you to talk about or comment on this sequence, which indicates the majority of the living Christians will be raptured after the Great Tribulation and even after the dead ones, the dead believers, are raised. These verses from 1 Thessalonians 4 are a classic reference point for those who teach that all the believers will be raptured at once and that all the believers will be raptured before the tribulation. But we need to consider the significance of that phrase, alive and remain. It can, and we believe it must, be understood as indicating 
some living ones are not remaining, and some living ones remain on the earth. Then what has happened to these living ones who do not remain? They have not died, they have been taken. Now, in this particular portion from 1 Thessalonians 4, we don't have a full definition of rapture. We actually have an elementary and basic presentation of rapture. So it must be understood in light of so many other verses. I would just ask our listeners to consider one main point. The Christian believers are raptured in a sequence, not all at the same time. This is analogous to the reaping of a harvest. If some part of the harvest or some fruits on the trees are ripe earlier, they're taken earlier. They would not be left there to become overripe. Furthermore, those that are not ripe are left to ripen. The Lord himself uses this kind of illustration. So we again need to awaken to the fact that rapture involves maturity and life in the life of Christ. And those who are alive and who do not remain are those who are alive and who have been raptured before the tribulation because they are qualified and ready. And they're taken not to the air, as mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 4. They're taken before the Son of Man to the throne. The majority, the harvest, they will be alive and remaining until the Lord comes. And at the very end, it can reasonably be argued on the very last day of the Great Tribulation, they will be taken en masse to the air. The point to consider is that not all are raptured at the same time. There's a sense in which this framing of the issue is more important than when will the rapture be, before the tribulation, during the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation. That question presupposes that there's only one rapture. When we raise up the matter based on the word of a rapture in at least two major parts, that brings us to the question of why is there this distinction? What does this have to do with the Christian life? What does this have to do with our readiness? That is the awakening element in the rapture truth that we're trying to consider today. Ron, I really appreciate that uh, refocusing, I would say, of the question, not so much the when as to the what. What is our condition that qualifies us for the rapture? Let's rejoin Witness Lee for another portion. The teaching that all the believers will be raptured before the tribulation is absolutely wrong. This rapture of the majority of the believers will be after the man of sin, Antichrist, is revealed. You read Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two is a strong base for the teaching that says the rapture of the saints will be post-tribulation. This portion tells us clearly before the rapture of the saints, the man of sin, Antichrist, is revealed. And it says also he will set up himself in the temple, forcing people to worship him. And this kind of idol worship by the Antichrist will transpire 
before the rapture of the saints. The Antichrist has to be revealed first and set up his idol in the temple, forcing people to worship. Then the Lord will come back and then the saints will be gathered into him. Well, Ron, a very brief section, but one that I think that makes the point quite well. This time from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'll paraphrase for the sake of time. It says, Now we ask you, brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him, that you be not quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Let no one deceive you in any way, because it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Paul was speaking here so that we would not be shaken, Ron, or deceived. The rapture must be after the Great Tribulation, if I'm not mistaken, because that's when Antichrist sets up this image in the temple and commands all to worship him. That's the logic, and that's accurate. To be more refined, I would say a rapture, because there's more than one, must be after these events take place. The temple has to be rebuilt, Antichrist has to break his covenant with Israel. He has to present himself as an object of worship. The tribulation must begin. Then the rapture, and that's the rapture of the vast majority of the believers. This is the way it is. Most of the believers will be raptured toward the very end of the great tribulation. Ron, in this last section that's quite short, we want to look at the fact that in some instances, aspects of the rapture seem to be tied to specific events that we can know and see, whereas others leave us with no ability to place them in time. And we're going to see this is with some significance. Here's Witness Lee. The rapture for the overcomers is unknown time-wise. But the rapture for the majority of the believers can be found out because it will be at the end of the great tribulation. Why? It tells clearly it will be at the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet will be sounding right at the close of the great tribulation. So time-wise, we can know something for the rapture of the majority of the believers. But time-wise, for the rapture of the overcomers, we couldn't know anything. Now, the place in the air and the cloud. This is care, right? All the verses that tell us something of the rapture of the overcomers all say that that rapture will bring the overcomers to the throne, to the sin of man, to God himself in heavens, not in air, but First Thessalonians 4 tells clearly that the majority of the believers will be caught up to the air. Right? And Revelation chapter 14 tells us the harvest will be reaped to the air because the reaper, Christ, by that time will be not cruised in the cloud anymore, but sitting on the cloud in the air. Ron, I think it would be good to point out that the printed life study that we talk about frequently, the basis for this program, really has all of these details, and they are hard to track if people are just listening. Of course, we have the chart that we've been offering our listeners that's helpful as well. In the last little bit of time we have left today, let me ask you just to comment on the time and the place of the rapture. Some of the events, as we said, we can know, and some we simply cannot. 
And in so doing, let's emphasize that there is more than one time and there is more than one place. We can become so event-centered that we miss the crucial points as they relate to our Christian life. The first fruits, the man-child, the overcomers, they will be raptured before the Great Tribulation begins. And in Scripture, there is no particular event that is the occasion for this. There's no outward clue. The emphasis, therefore, is on inward readiness, on being watchful, on beseeching, on holding the word of endurance. But we know it's before the tribulation, shortly before. The place is not to the air. It's not to the cloud. It's to the throne of God. It's to Mount Zion in the heavens. It's to stand before the Son of Man. All these references refer to a place that is not the air, not the cloud, but in the heavens. Then the rapture of the majority of the believers is at a different time and to a different place. We significantly err if we fail to make the distinction between these times and places. Regarding the rapture of the majority of the believers, there are some obvious environmental indicators. A tribulation has been going on, and the length of that tribulation is specified. So this is after the man of sin has been manifested, after Antichrist has begun the great tribulation. So many things have gone on. And so the believers will know Not the hour, but they will know when the day is approaching due to all these events and with the built-in time limitation contained in the prophetic calendar. When, at last, the majority of the believers are raptured, and that rapture is at a different time, three and a half years separating, they will be raptured to a different place, not to the heavens, not to the throne, but to the air and to the cloud. So the overcomers are raptured before the tribulation to the throne. The vast majority of the believers are raptured at the very end of the tribulation to the cloud in the air. Once again, we would like to say forthrightly, this is just the way it is, and it greatly impacts our Christian life. In the uh, message in total that Witness Lee gave, he talked of uh, encounters that various believers from uh, the one camp of pre-tribulation would have when they would come to the camp that is post-tribulation. And as they begin to exchange verses back and forth, one set of verses silences the mouths of one camp, and the other set of verses uh, likewise silences the other group. Ron, this really seems to be, without being uh, too much, too dogmatic, this really seems to be the only interpretation where all of the verses have a proper fit, doesn't it? That is our understanding, based upon many, many years of study, that if we consider all the details and not eliminate anything and not force any verse into some kind of uh, system, if we take into account all the verses and all the revelation and understand the nature of the rapture being intrinsically connected to our growth and maturity in the spiritual life. If we do all this, I believe we will conclude, as we have done, 
There's more to this rapture than we have supposed. It cannot be reduced simply to the rapture of all the believers before or after the tribulation. There are these two major raptures to two different places at two different times. All of this is based upon the scripture. Thank you, Brother Ron, for a, a difficult task to accomplish in a short amount of time. I appreciate your help. You're most welcome, and we appreciate the Lord's grace with us as we endeavor to understand this complex matter in God's Word. That's all the time we have for today. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.